The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back to The Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum. Today's episode, we are breaking down the film from the Chicago Bears game for the New York Giants, a game that they suffered a pretty tight defeat, 17-13. Giants fought their way back into this game despite being down 17-0 at half. Comes down to the final play. All of the stuff that we've already talked about, the key points from the game, we talked about that in the quick takes, especially the big headline that's coming out of this game, which is Saquon Barkley, torn ACL, done for the season, Sterling Shepard, turf toe, going to be done for a period of time. That is two major hits for this Giants offense. We're not going to spend too much time talking about that. There is a key point from the offense that relates to Saquon Barkley being out, but right now, we're focused on the game tape and how things are going to be going forward and transitioning into next week's game against the San Francisco 49ers, which seemingly are far more battered somehow than the Giants are from this past game against the Chicago Bears. So, Chris, our first point, and this relates immediately to the running backs, it just seems like as soon as Saquon went out of the game, despite having a few very good carries to get the offense into a little bit of a rhythm in the first quarter. As soon as he was gone, the running game fell flat on its face because Deion Lewis was the guy taking over. Now, Deion Lewis is a veteran. He's been around for a while. He's got very good hands. He's a good receiving back. But it is safe to say that this dude is way too slow to be the Giants' lead running back. There's a reason why they worked out Devonta Freeman. They need to bring somebody else in because right now Lewis is over the hump when it comes to speed, burst, acceleration, he cannot do a lot of things and especially take 20, t- 20 carries for a game. Yeah, that's really who he has been as a running back over the last few years. Really, the end of his tenure with New England, who he was the last couple of years with Tennessee. Yeah, He is, we'll say, very limited as a running back. And those runs that Saquon Barkley had, those were really Saquon being Saquon. Yeah, the offensive line was not blowing open holes and doing great blocking downfield. That was really Saquon making guys miss in a phone booth and then 
finding that glimmer of daylight and exploding through it. If you have a running back like Deion Lewis, who is, you know, he doesn't have great acceleration. He doesn't have a great top end. He is just not going to be able to create those opportunities for himself to even be able to think about exploiting them. I couldn't help when I was watching Deion Lewis grimacing at how slow he was moving. And I don't mean to completely knock him for his performance and his athleticism, but when you have so much penetration from the Chicago Bears defensive line and it takes him so long to build up that burst, build up that speed to get to the line of scrimmage, it allows for him to get tackled for a one-yard loss or at the line of scrimmage. He did push his way into the end zone on a very tight play, but a lot of that goes to the push from the offensive line. The other thing, too, I just don't see anything from him coming out of his cuts. He 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 has a little wiggle at the line of scrimmage, but it doesn't do anything for him. I, this Giants offense is going to need a replacement. We have no idea what the deal is with Wayne Gallman because his uh, him sitting out this past game was a coach's decision. We don't know if that's injury-related. We don't know if that is related to um, some type of disagreement with the coaching staff. We have no idea what this pertains to. So Wayne Gallman might be out for a long time. He might be back for this game, next game and take over a majority, majority of the carries. But Chris, right now, somebody has to take over and someone needs to be brought in because Deion Lewis is just not that type of a running back. He gets the job done on third down, not, not being an effective all-down running back. Yeah, not unless the Giants make a serious shift in philosophy and decide to use quick passes and screens to basically take the place of their running back running game and really more just more treat those plays as like extended handoffs than passing plays and more or less give up on the idea of just handing the ball to the running back in the backfield. And some of those plays did work. I think you could pick up some good chunk yardage from Deion Lewis being in the football game. Give him a carry or two. Again, I'm going to keep saying it. He can't take more than 15, 10 carries a game because he's just not that type of a player. Maybe they think Eli Penning, Penny could be a, a transition power back for this team. Either way, both of those are, are not very, very good options. Chris, another thing that we both noticed from watching the tape, the, the Daniel Jones interception that he had, the one that counted, where Evan Ingram slipped, that's all on Daniel Jones. Uh, we both noticed that Evan Ingram slipped before Daniel Jones threw the ball into a situation that would have been tight even if Evan Ingram had not slipped. I also don't even know if he would have picked up the first down in that situation if he had caught that ball. Meanwhile, on the opposite side of the field, there is a noticeably wide-open Sterling Shepard on an arrow route. So Daniel Jones needs to stop being timid and freaking out at the little bit of pressure that's on his neck and evaluate the things that are in front of him. This is just a, a, another instance of him locking onto receivers. Yeah, and, and that's a thing we saw last year as well. In fact, I remember a, another interception he threw towards a tight end. I believe it was uh, Rhett Ellison before he went down with an injury. Jones was basically looking his way the whole play, and that's what happened here with Ingram. You know, he never looked anywhere else he just locked on to Engram where Engram was going to be or at least where he expected him to be and basically once his back foot hit hit in his drop the ball was coming out and it didn't really matter that Evan Ingram was already on the ground right there's really no way to justify this this mistake by Daniel Jones there were some people who saw this play saying oh Evan Ingram slipped that impacted the play 
if you go back and watch the play entirely, we know who who is to blame for this situation. It's Daniel Jones, like we talked about afterwards. And this goes in line with what we said on the Quick Take show, Chris, that we can only do so much to cut him some slack. We, we can't keep doing that anymore. We did it a lot in the first season because he was a rookie. Now it's time for him to take the, le- the leap forward. He can't keep making the same mistakes. And, and he made a similar mistake with the strip sack where Andrew Thomas was beat and Robert Quinn pulled the ball straight out of his hand. Yeah, Ed did a great job showing this on a post he made earlier on where Daniel Jones had Sterling Shepard running wide open across the field. Now, he might not have been able to pick up the first down. He at least would have had a completion and the Giants would have lived to have another play. Instead, Jones pats the ball, pulls it down, just shows a lot of indecision. And in the meantime, Quinn and Khalil Mack are closing on him. The ball comes out, bears ball. And that's a similar thing that we've always spoken on with Daniel Jones. He has a tendency to hold on to the ball way too long. And this is something that at some point that, that, that switch has to flip in his head, that he needs to have a sense of urgency, but at the same time, not rushing his decision-making. It's a very complicated balance. That is what separates good quarterbacks in this league and average to below average quarterbacks. Those that can make concise decisions while also not holding on the ball too long. You need to think quickly, but it needs to be effective thinking. And it can't just be, I have to get the ball out. It needs to be, where is my best, quickest available option and not forcing it into a spot like where he was picked off by Evan Ingram. Chris, the the last offensive point from this game is a, a very noticeable lack of cohesion from this offensive line. They just don't work well effectively to me. I, I see a lot of issues with passing guys off in, in pass protection when guys run stunts. That was how one of the sacks with uh, Akeem Hicks was created for that Bears defense. There are some communication issues again for the second straight season. I, I don't entirely know who to blame because Nick Gates is is probably one of the biggest culprits for this because he is the starting center, but it also doesn't help that your left tackle is a rookie and there is a pretty new group overall working together. Yeah, I think you can really see the impact that not having a regular offseason, not having preseason is having on this group. They aren't even really close to gelled right now. And you bring up Akeem Hicks. He was a problem for this offensive line. Yeah, He was really easily able to overpower Nick Gates. He a few times proved to be a little too quick for Kevin Zeitler. Uh, that first sack of his, Zeitler lunged and Hicks was able to adapt on the fly, just go right over him and right into the backfield. There was another time Hicks was overpowering I believe it was the stunt you brought up he overpowered Nick Gates and then Will Hernandez came over to help and he basically schooled two Giants players on the same rush you know that those are things you just really can't have happen especially with the amount of resources the Giants have poured into this offensive line over the last few years 
Exactly. Something needs to give at some point with all of the resources, the draft picks, the high-priced contracts and signings, the trades made. You'd think at some point this would work effectively, but there seems to be a blatant lack of communication happening time and time again. I point directly to the Andrew Thomas play where he didn't even block Khalil Mack because I don't know if he knew he was supposed to pick him up. He put a hand out to touch him. It seemed like he thought he was passing him off to someone. Nobody touches Khalil Mack in a key drive that the Giants needed to score on in the second half, and he takes down Daniel Jones for the easiest sack of what might be the easiest sack of of Khalil Mack's career. That is stuff that just cannot happen at this point. It, It is messing up the entirety of this offense that they're still figuring out what they need to be doing. And I guess, Chris, you could point to the fact that there was no preseason and that maybe that is what's really hurting this Giants offensive line because the teams that have a primarily mostly returning line group is going to have less issues, but that maybe the preseason is is a big reason why we're seeing so many communications issues already in two weeks. Yeah, that that really could be. This is a brand new line. Even the returning players like Nick Gates, like Kevin Zeitler, like Will Hernandez, this is a new blocking scheme. It's a new offensive language. So there is a lot to figure out. But even so, you have to pick up Khalil Mack. Yeah, that that's a guy you can't just assume somebody else is going to block. You know, if it if you don't see anybody there to pick him up, you got to do something. You got to do something to slow him down. He is too good to let run wild. We're going to transition to talking about the defensive notes from this game. Before we do so, we're going to take a really short commercial break. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It was so clear when watching the tape and also during the game, Chris, that the defensive line was getting driven back not only early in the game, but it seemed like more and more as this game went on. 
they were getting really, really pushed back. And that is what allowed for some significant rushing yards in a time when the Giants needed to stop them towards the end of this game. Another thing, Chris, that I noticed in line with that is when you have all of these heavy fronts of five men on the line of scrimmage and one linebacker back there, it almost makes me wonder if when you're getting driven back, if there's no one back there to pick up any of the um, any of the mistakes by the defensive lineman, if there's no linebackers to tra- track down the ball, where they're lined up might be affecting how they're able to attack the running game. Definitely. Uh, I have some questions on what Patrick Bram is thinking with the Giants' run defense. Yeah, I noticed quite a few plays where it seemed like the Giants were basically daring the Bears to run. Yeah, it seemed like they wanted to maybe bait Mitchell Trubisky into throwing the ball and then playing coverage and hoping to capitalize on mistakes. But the Bears basically said, you want to dare us to run? Okay, we'll run. Yeah, I saw more than a few plays where the Giants only had one defensive lineman or no defensive lineman on the field. You know, like you say, five-man fronts, six-man fronts. You know, that is basically free yardage for almost any NFL offense. Even if they have a pass called, they'll audible to the run. And if they can get anything like a numbers advantage on either side of the center position, they're going to pick up big yardage, which is what we saw, especially on the Bears' final drive, where they had back-to-back 10-yard runs. And the Giants' defense was just getting blown off the ball. And a big part of that is, you know, for all of the size they have at their defensive tackle position, they were light pretty much everywhere else. And we also noticed, Chris, how the this Giants defense was getting killed against outside zone. That was where a lot of the big yardage was being picked up by this Bears offense was these outside zone plays. And I think that goes back to issues with how they're lining up. So you keep there's a there was a very high tendency in this game. I don't know the percentage, but if we tracked it, I would assume it would be over 50% for how often they were lining up with five guys on the line of scrimmage. And if you don't have, or if you have everybody do their job along the defensive line by just playing their gap just a little bit, if everyone is just somewhat close to playing their assignment, there's not enough guys behind them to go track down the ball if all the gaps are filled because outside zone is looking for the furthest outside rushing lane to take the ball. So if he's able to get past the tight end or the left tackle or right tackle, there's not really enough linebackers to go find the ball. And I think that was a big, big reason why they were able to pick up a lot of yards on those plays. Yeah. And there were the other cases where maybe a linebacker would run to get out to string that out towards the sideline. And then a cutback lane would open up and, you know, somebody like Tariq Cohen or David Montgomery, they've got the feet and the vision to see those cutback lanes and then hit them. And the Giants would also give up yardage that way. Yeah, I also noticed that the Giants need more speed on the perimeter of their defense. It was particularly apparent against Tariq Cohen and Cordero Patterson, but then again, they're really athletic dudes. But they just seem to be playing at a, at a different speed than the Giants' defense was. It, it seemed like there would be guys in position to defend them, but they just couldn't get there in time. Like they couldn't adjust to meet Cohen Patterson's speed. 
I saw Blake Martinez a few times. Almost, It almost seemed like he whiffed on a tackle, but that was really more just because he couldn't get himself turned around in time to make the play before they were past him. Chris, a huge crushing blow for this defense that I think really hindered them from being more effective in key situations was giving up big plays after they make big plays. The way that you worded it when we were talking before the show was an inability to string together big plays in a row. So we would see sacks. There were four sacks in this game. We would see sacks by the pass rush, great plays, making it second and 15, third and 15 or 16, and then giving up a 10 to 15 yard gain. That is not what you want with defensive consistency because if you give up more yards than you took away with a sack or a tackle for loss, it's counterintuitive. There needs to be more big plays strung together and more stops after a sack. Sacks and tackles for loss are supposed to be drive killers, mostly sacks, but if you get a sack, it should shut down an offense's drive uh, you know, enough to get them off the field. Instead, it seems like every time they get a sack, it opens things up immediately for a big game. Yeah, the, uh, it that happened on almost every single one of the Bears' drives. You know, the first drive, it was almost every other play. The Giants' defense would make a play. They'd get a tackle for a loss or maybe a tackle for a short gain and then give up a 7, 8, 15-yard gain on the next play. I mean, the, the touchdown at the end of that first drive came after they had limited the bears to one or two yards in the first two plays of that, you know, after they had converted the previous first down, that's a situation where the defense should be at worst limiting the offense to a field goal. And instead just everything breaks down. Trubisky escapes the pocket flips to Montgomery and the defense doesn't seem to know what to do. Nobody's in position to stop him. He runs through the entire defense. Guys are diving all over the place and it winds up being a touchdown. And it happened kind of again and again where the Giants would have a good play on defense and the Bears would almost immediately get it all back. It almost makes me wonder if the defense was phoning it in after making these big plays and just saying to themselves, oh, we made a sack, you know, we're we're such a great defense that they weren't focusing on the next play. And it, and that would make any coach furious for doing that. So I, I think that's quite possible mentality reason for giving up those big plays after creating sacks and tackles for loss. Last bit here, some credit given for an underrated part of this defense. James Bradbury and pieces of the Giants secondary played phenomenally in this game. And immediately I want to point to James Bradbury as the guy who led this great performance. This is a very different secondary because there is now a guy who can cover number one receivers, make turnovers, shut down number one guys. We saw him keep Allen Robinson in check for most of this game. And two of the interceptions were because of him, were plays because of him. One, because he ripped the ball out of Allen Robinson's hands and made a really, really good play on the ball. And the second one is because he contested a very tight pass that Trubisky should not have thrown in the direction of Allen Robinson. That ball popped up in the air for Julian Love to then pick off. Yeah, I would say Bradbury was definitely the brightest spot on the Giants' defense. And really, he might have been the brightest spot on the team as a whole against the Bears. You know, the the second interception, the one where 
Bradbury ripped the ball away from Allen Robinson, which is a thing you never see happen. I will say the Giants did get a little bit lucky there that Trubisky, he honestly made the same mistake that Daniel Jones did on the interception that was targeting Evan Ingram. He basically had that ball thrown before he even took the snap. You know, he was never going to be going anywhere else. Robinson was basically double covered and it had he had the Giants' best cover corner on him. Meanwhile, Cordell Patterson was running free and open across the field right at the first down marker. That could ha- that whole series could have gone very, very differently for the Giants if Trubisky had looked anywhere else. But instead, he didn't, and Bradbury made him pay. Other things that really stood out to us was not only good performances across the board from players on the secondary, Darnay Holmes had a couple big plays, Julian Love with the interception, as we mentioned, we also noticed some good pass coverage by the Giants outside linebackers. Fackrell and Lorenzo Carter looked surprisingly good in space despite supposed them supposed to being the lead pass rushers. It's good to see that they can do multiple things on passing plays and cause that kind of confusion because you don't know if he's going to come and rush up the field or if he's going to drop back and cover a running back or a tight end both of them had sacks and also both of them looked pretty good in coverage yeah I was actually particularly surprised by how well Fackrell played in coverage yeah he's he's not an off-ball space linebacker he is not Isaiah Simmons by any stretch of the imagination but when he dropped in coverage and when the play was in front of him I I thought he had some pretty good awareness of the play to put himself in position and I I liked his movement skills and range when he was coming downfield. He limited the Bears to a couple just short gains that could have gone for much further. They probably saw an edge in space and said, you know, I like that matchup. We'll go at him. And Backerall responded. One thing, though, with the secondary, it is worth pointing out. Chris, I am not a fan of, of Yadam, the recently traded for corner added to this giant secondary to me he has been a a bit of a a hole in the secondary despite there being a lot of good play from various guys across the board I see a lot of mistakes from him and most notably the easy touchdown that he almost gave up if Anthony Miller had not dropped the ball early in the game Um, he also had a, a number of issues with reading things in front of him and dropping in the wrong times. I I need to see more from him for a guy that they traded for. If not, the Giants need to go out and a priority this upcoming offseason needs to be to get a a second outside corner. Yeah, because I'm not sure what their other answers are on the team because Corey Ballantyne, he is, you know, we both like him, but I, I don't think he is really an answer. He's a good special teamer he's a good depth guy but I'm really not sure he is a starting cornerback that you can feel confident in opposite James Bradbury you know just like Yadam the offenses the Giants are going to see going forward this year they're going to be watching the tape and if Bradbury keeps playing well they're not going to really challenge him they'll look at the other guys, they'll challenge Darnay Holmes. They'll challenge Yadam or Ballantyne or you know whoever happens to be the other coverage guy on the field. You know, they Bradbury played great, but he can't cover the whole field by himself. He's only one guy. 
Exactly, because Bradbury could make a tremendous play, and against a, a better quarterback, they're going to recognize mistakes by Yadam, Isaac Yadam on the other side, if he's not proper, uh, properly playing his assignment. So th- that needs to be addressed. I don't know if you can tell Yadam he needs to play better. I, I don't know how much that's going to really do. The Giants need to get a premier corner to play opposite of James Bradbury. And I'm going to say this from now until the pick is in for the 2020 NFL draft that the first two picks in this year's draft need to be a, a, a linebacker and a corner. If they can get two of those, those, those positions settled, this Giants defense could be good. It goes in line with a lot of the stuff that we've talked about today and on other shows. If they can fix those two positions, I think that this defense could possibly turn themselves into a very talented group. Yeah, I, I agree. They, I, I would also like to see them get like that ace pass rusher, uh, Maybe that could go along with linebacker. Uh, we've talked about Micah Parsons a bit already. I'm sure we'll talk about him some more. Now, there are some really interesting guys coming up in this draft class. Uh, I, I'm intrigued by Quincy Rocha out down in Miami. I think he's got an interesting build. You know, at, at 6'4", 240 ish. You know, maybe he could be that guy who can really force defenses to keep track of him as a linebacker and as a pass rusher. But I, I'm right there with you on the, in the secondary as well. They need a number two corner. We'll try not to go too far down the NFL draft path this early. Um, that would definitely not make, <laughs> make giants fans too happy to already be talking about that. Hopefully things do turn around. We'll all already be looking at this upcoming class. And at some point we'll be filling you in and letting you know everything you need to know about that group. Thanks for tuning in, folks, to this episode. Um, be sure to follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at Raptor MKII for Chris, and also at Big Blue View, as well as heading to BigBlueView.com. Per usual Thursday, we will be doing the preview show for the San Francisco 49ers as the Giants will face them this upcoming Sunday. 